Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, happy Yom Teror, day of shouting for all my Jewish brethren around the world and also those who are attaching themselves to the Jews and those who understand the truth that all of mankind must keep all the instructions of Yah. This is uh, located in Ecclesiastes, uh, chapter 12, uh, and verses 13 to 14. I know some people uh, think uh, this may have not been inspired words of God, but they are the inspired words of Yah because all the other uh, sacred writings support the following. Uh, Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13 to 14, the conclusion, when all has been heard, Fear Yah and keep his mitzvah or commandments, because this applies to every person, not just the Jews, but of all of mankind. For Yah will bring act to judgment everything which is hidden, which is good or evil. And this is certainly in line with what Yom Teror is all about, ladies and gentlemen, as I'm going to show you today. God is going to bring everything that we do to judgment. And when Yah's representatives are risen up through any generation, people don't like that. They don't want to be corrected. And they, they don't seem to understand that correction is necessary. Uh, in Hebrews, let's go to Hebrews. This is what he tells us right here. I'm reading this in the New American Standard Bible Version. He states in Hebrews 12, verse 5, You have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the master, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges, scourges every son whom he receives. And it says in verse 7 of, of Hebrews chapter 12, and that was quoted from the Tanakh, uh, that particular uh, scripture there. In verse 7, is it for discipline that you endure? Yah deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? In other words, uh, if a father is not trying to correct his son, and this, this doesn't end when a son is a, a little child, it also continues on as he is an adult. And so... If you don't, uh, if a father doesn't discipline his son, what's going to happen to the son? Well, verse 8 gives us the answers. 
But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate, illegitimate children and not sons. And so what the eternal word is saying here, he's saying that if fathers don't discipline their children, they will become illegitimate children. And then in verse 9 it says, Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they discipline us for a short time, it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, so that we may share his holiness. And then in verse 11, All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, Afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. What is the biblical definition of righteousness? Turn to Psalm 119, 172. Psalm 119, 172. This is what righteousness is according to your Bible that most people, unfortunately, don't take seriously. Psalm 119, 172. Let my tongue sing of your word, for all your mitzvah or commandments are righteousness. Every single instruction and commandment in this entire Bible, all 66 books, righteousness according to the eternal words of Yah. And so, this time that the Jews call Rosh Hashanah, and I know some people think, and the Hebrews movement, oh, that's wrong to say that and all that. Well, is it? Let's let's look at the facts, folks. All right? First of all, I want to bring up the concept of Shemitah so that you can understand that. Uh, based on God's biblical calendar, there's a seven-year Shemitah year. During this seven-Shemitah cycle, God expects his people to consistently give to those in need. Windows. I mean, not windows. <laughs> Widows. <laughs> Widows, strangers, the fatherless, the poor, and the Levites, and I'm certainly talking about those who function, do one of the responsibilities of the Levites, which are Torah teachers today. They're spiritually Levites, they're not physically. The reason why I say spiritually is because they do what Levites do. They service the people of the assembly, and they also teach the words of Yah. So anyway, I got this from Judaism 101, Rosh Hashanah. Judaism has several different New Years. This is a concept which may seem strange at first, but think of it this way. The American New Year starts in January, but the new school year starts in September, and many businesses have fiscal years that start at various times of the year. In Judaism, Nisan 1 is the new year for the purpose of counting the reign of kings and months on the calendar. Elu 1 in August is the new year for tithing of animals, Shabbat 15. In February is the new year for trees, determining when first fruits can be eaten. And Tishri 1, which is today, Rosh Hashanah, is the new year for years when we increase the year number. Sabbatical and Jubilee years begin at this time. That's what the Shemitah year is all about. It's a sabbatical year. All right? And I know some people think that the Talmud is, oh, is bad and all that. Well, no, not all of it. Uh, Paul stated, or Shaul stated in Romans chapter 3, that uh, those are the circumcision. And when you understand what he was talking about, he means those that were Jews, those who embrace the traditions of the Jews, is where have great value. And they do, I know. 
I've learned a lot studying from their writings. Now, does that mean all their writings are correct? No. But you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. So anyway, let me quote this from the Mishnah. It says, there are four new years. The first of Nisan is new is a new year for ascension of kings and for the regular rotation of festivals. Uh, the first of Elu is new year for cattle tithe. But according to our Eleazar and our Simeon, it is on the first of Tijri. So there was an argument back and forth on that. The first of Tijri is New Year's Day for ordinary years and for sabbatical years, uh, three, and jubilees, and also for the planting of trees and for herbs. On the first day of Shabbat is the New Year for trees. All right? So that's um, what I explained to you only as far as Shabbat. All right? The New Year for trees, according to the school of Shammai, but the school of Hillel says it's on the 14th. So anyway... That was a quote from the uh, tractate Rosh Hashanah, chapter 1. The summary of the Jewish New Year's, let me simplify this. Aviv 1 or Nisan 1 is for the counting of the reign of kings and months. This is found in Exodus chapter 12. Elu 1 is the new year for tithing of animals. Shavat 15 is the new year for trees. That's found in Leviticus 19, verses 23 to 25. And Tishri 1 is Yom Teruah, the Feast of Trumpets. It's the new year for years. The year number is increased. And so sabbatical and jubilee years begin at this time. Now, for scriptural proof of this, uh, you need to, again, check the scriptures here uh, for verification of anything that anyone says. This includes me, ladies and gentlemen, all right? So let's go to some scriptures here to prove that there actually are two calendars that the Bible reveals, all right? And I learned this... um, I would say probably in the last four or five years, maybe a little less than that. But uh, let me uh, turn to these scriptures to prove this point, ladies and gentlemen. First of all, let's go to Exodus chapter 23, verse 16. Exodus chapter 23, verse 16. Exodus 23, verse 16. Also, you shall observe the feast of harvest of the first fruits of Bikarim of your labors, from what you sow in the field, also the Feast of Ingathering, which is the festival of Sukkot, at the end of the year when you gather in the fruit of your labors from the field. All right, so we're seeing something here with this time period, beginning with Tishri 1, as being at the end of the year. But as you're going to see, it's talking about the end of the agricultural year, or it's a different type of end of the year. All right. And, again, the way the Jews understand this and the reason why they, they begin uh, the year now, based on the Jewish calendar, is, is for uh, keeping count of sabbatical and jubilee years. That's what it's primarily for. All right? Okay, so turn to Exodus chapter 34, verse 22. Exodus chapter 34, verse 22. And it states here, you shall celebrate the Feast of Weeks, that is, the first fruits of Bikarim of the wheat harvest, and the Feast of Ingathering at the turn of the year. So, again, at the turn of the year. So there's some kind of beginning around this time. That's the reason why the Jews, again, do that. You have to understand the reason why people do things before you can say whether or not it's right or wrong, folks. Okay? And you have to go by the Bible and look at the Bible and see what it says. All right, so let's go to... Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 10. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 10. Deuteronomy 31, verse 10. 
Then Moshe commanded them, saying, At the end of every seven years, at the time of the year of remission of debts, at the Feast of Booths, okay, at the end of every seven years, at the time of the year of the remission of debts, that is, of course, a Shemitah that's described in Deuteronomy chapter 15, at the Feast of Booths, when all Israel comes to appear before the Master, right? So this time period is the start of the agricultural time, okay? It's, 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 uh, that's what it's talking about here, all right? And that's why it's the Feast of Ingathering, when you uh, understand what that's talking about there. Uh, let me let me go back there again. Exodus chapter twenty-three. Exodus chapter twenty-three, verse sixteen. That's why it's called the Feast of Ingathering. And I'm gonna read a little commentary here from John Gill, who is a Hebrew scholar. He said this is the third feast in the year to be kept, and was kept at the close of the year at the revolution of it, when a new year began. That is, according to the old account which made Tishri the month in which this feast was kept, the first month of the year, whereas according to the new count, it was the seventh month in the month of Aviv, now made the first of the months upon the Israelites coming out of Egypt in that month. This is the same feast with the Feast of Tabernacles, but here called the Feast of Ingathering, because at this time of the year, at this time of the year, all the fruits of the earth were gathered in, uh, the corn and the wine and the oil and all other fruits, on account of which was a great rejoicing as there ought to be. And so... To clarify what I was saying earlier, this is the time when all the uh, the fruits of the earth were gathered in, the corn, the wine, the oil, and so forth. All right, so that's the reason that is called that, ladies and gentlemen. So, and that is some should gives you some some reasoning on the reason why um, that that was done. It refers to an gathering taken in before the rainy season from either the wine press or threshing floor. Okay, so. That is something that um, that needs to be understood and uh, also uh, accepted as far as that truth, ladies and gentlemen. So, all right. And so it's gonna. This is the close of that as far as gathering and all the all the fruit and, and, and the corn and the wine and so forth. And it's gonna be the beginning of of, of that new cycle. All right. So, let's go into a little detail here about this day and the remaining time that I have left. And I'm hoping to continue to consistently uh, give broadcast, ladies and gentlemen. I've been so busy with uh, making a living and doing all kinds of things. And, I, you know, I, people that listen to me for years, look, if you want me to, to spend more time uh, doing this and writing books and so forth, then uh, please give to this ministry. And what you can do is go to MercifulServantsOfGod.com, go to my website, click on the yellow donate button, and, and please give what you can. I'm not asking you to give what you cannot give. Uh, a policy of this ministry based on the scriptures, I'm never, ever going to uh, sell my teachings. I, I can't see Yeshua doing that. I'm not going to do it either. And Paul gave an example in the Bible of preaching the gospel for free, so that's what I'm going to do. However... Just because I preach it for free as far as providing the teaching doesn't mean you still shouldn't support this work. Uh, it is a commandment to support and minister. So I'm just asking you to do what God has told you to do anyway. All right. So, And that's entirely up to you. And uh, 
but from occasion, on occasion, I will remind you, those who have listened to me for a long time and those who have benefited from my teachings. All right, so let's quickly go over this in the remaining 13 minutes I have left. Leviticus 23, verse 24 says, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, in the first day of the month, shall you have a Shabbat, a memorial of blowing of by a holy convocation or an assembly. So this day we should assemble. And this is interesting because this day also, as I, I'm trying to teach you, it symbolizes a time of judgment, ladies and gentlemen. As Jews understand this, uh, they actually understand uh, why the, the trumpet is blown, why it has been traditionally blown uh, throughout the years. Uh, in biblical times of Israel, the shofar was blown for several reasons. That's, that's what it means in Hebrew, trumpet. Uh, to mark the arrival of a new moon, to celebrate a sincha or joyous occasion, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to hail a king at his coronation, to warn of impending judgment, to gather troops to battle, to sound an alarm, to call a sacred assembly in time of fasting, to confuse the enemy camp, and to draw God's attention. And so that is the purpose of blowing a trumpet, ladies and gentlemen. And I'm telling you, the way things are right now, I remember when I gave a broadcast, uh, I think the name of it was uh, The Party's Almost Over. <laughs> and I gave that broadcast because God, he showed me something that I don't know if too many people have uh, really understand. Maybe a few people called it, I don't know. But September 29, 2008 was right before the Feast of Trumpets. And do you know what happened back then? That was eight years ago, basically. Uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average, they lost seven, the uh, Dow Jones Industrial Average lost 777.68. That was the drop, 777.68. That was the biggest single-day point loss ever in the history of the Dow Jones Industrial. Now, what's significant about that, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you're students of the Bible as far as the book of Revelation, but the judgments that God will execute on the earth consists of seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven plagues. Again, the Dow Jones Industrial, right before the Feast of Trumpets, uh, had this biggest single-day point loss ever, 777. I don't. I know that's not an accidental occurrence, ladies and gentlemen, but for those who have eyes to see and ears to hear, you're going to understand what I'm telling you here. The Dow Jones Industrial lost 777.68. That was the thing. Type it in, your, in Google if you don't believe me. September 29, 2008. Type in 777.68, all right? And you'll see articles on, on online about that. Now, it says, what is significant about the number 777? Again, in the book of Revelation, the judgments of God consist of seven seals, seven trumpets, and seven plagues. This was the biggest point drop in the history of Wall Street, uh, in the history of Wall Street. And that's significant. And I stated back then, and I still believe this, that God was telling us symbolically that he is going to intensify the seals, which is going to lead to the trumpets. And he has been intensifying it. Things have gotten worse. Uh, really, one of the, the biggest things that have gotten worse is our concept of what a family is. Remember, Yah judges the world and individuals by behavior. And right now in this country, which is part of Israel, 
which I know you probably, so those who are listening to me for the first time, don't even understand that. You need to go to your Davidi's website, www.b as in boy, r i t a m dot org, and be amazed and study the truth about that. I don't have time to go over that today, but I will eventually uh, create a a, a teaching that I'm going to put online revealing who these who the twelve tribes of Israel are today, biblically and using outside sources. But if you want to know now. Go to www.beasinboy.org and educate yourself on the truth about that. All right, so uh, his seven seals, his seven shofars and plagues, that process, I believe, based on what happened eight years ago, has been intensified. Now, of course, we know we're near the trumpets yet and nowhere near the plagues, but certainly some of the seals... Uh, certainly are being intensified based on what's going on in the world right now. All right? So I just wanted to point that out. And, of course, the number eight is the number of new beginnings. So uh, here we are right now. It appears that Hillary Clinton has a very good chance to become president. And I know what the Bible prophecies say about women leading men in these end times. I don't know if she's going to become a president or not, but if she does, uh, it will certainly help us understand those, those prophecies a little better. But even if she doesn't, there's still women dominating the world right now. You have women dominating the Federal Reserve Bank. You have a woman the head of the Federal Reserve Bank. You have a woman that is uh, the leader of the International Monetary Fund. You also have a woman, for the first time in the history of Rome, is a mayor. You have uh, Merkel, who was the president of Germany, and then Theresa May, uh, she is the new prime minister of Britain. She's a woman. So this is going on around the world. Isaiah 3, verse 12 is being fulfilled right before our eyes, ladies and gentlemen, whether Hillary Clinton becomes president or not. But you know what? Don't be shocked if she is because, I tell you, the, the world trend is, is going that way. It's going toward women ruling over men. So anyway, I didn't prophesy and say she's going to become. I'm just saying I'm just going. I'm looking at the scenarios. If she becomes president, don't be surprised because the Bible is saying that women uh, are challenging men' authority and they are actually uh, knocking men off their right rightful rulership place and taking over the rulership that men should have. So now, whether or not she does it or not, we'll see. But I'm just saying, don't be surprised if she does, because the Bible says this is happening around the world. But it remains to be seen if he wants it to happen here in, in the United States. We'll see. All right, so let me quickly um, go over Daniel 7, verse 7 to 10. It says, After this I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and exceedingly strong, and it had a large iron teeth, and it devoured and crushed and trampled down and remained with its feet. It was different from all the other beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. While I was contemplating the horns, behold, another horn, a little one, came up among them, and three of the first horns were pulled up, by the roots before it, and behold, this horn possessed eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth uttering great boasts. I kept looking until thrones were set up, and the ancient of the days took his seat. His vesture was like white snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was ablaze with flames. Its wheels were a burning fire. A river of fire was flowing and coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands were attending him, and Myris and Myris were standing before him. The court and the books were open. Those books were the books to judge people with, ladies and gentlemen. That's why the Jews teach that the period between the Feast of Trumpets and Yom Teruah and Yom Kippur, the ten days of all, is a time of reflection. It's a time of repentance. 
That's what this is right now, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this is the time that God, through a trumpet, symbolically is waking us up or wants to wake us up. We need to wake up from our slumber. It means the entire world is sleeping. That's why Yeshua said, as a snare shall it come upon all those on the face of the earth, because most people need to be woke up. Uh, in, in Isaiah chapter 26, most people are in a slumber, even people that claim to keep Torah, a lot of them are in a slumber right now. They, didn't, they, don't, they despise, some of them despise prophecy. They don't, they don't want to hear prophecy. But God says, no, you must listen to prophecy. It's important. Future history is important, ladies and gentlemen. You can't just run away from that. Isaiah chapter 26. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 19. It states plainly here. Uh, As far as the judgments upon the earth here, it says, Isaiah 26, verse 9, Isaiah 26, verse 9, With my soul have I desired thee in the night, yes, with my spirit within me will I seek early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. And this is certainly in line with what Yom Teruah is all about, ladies and gentlemen. And Joel 2, verse 1 to 2, it states plainly, Blow ye the trumpet in Zion, and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord comes, for it is right at hand, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and a thick darkness. As the morning spread upon the mountains, the great people and the strong, there has not been ever the like, neither shall there be any more, even to the years of many generations. So this day is significant, ladies and gentlemen, and this day really pictures ultimately the following. Let's look at Revelation chapter 11. It begins with one trumpet, but ends with the seventh trumpet. And the seventh trump, this is what will happen, and I'm so, I'll be so glad when this happens. And the seven angels sounded, and there were great voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our master and his Messiah, and he shall reign forever and ever. Now that's interesting. Aren't the kingdoms his now? Well, in a sense, yes, but right now he's allowing the devil to rule over us. But when this seventh trump sound, that rule will end. Verse 16. And the twenty-four elders which sat before Yah fell on their faces and fell upon their faces and worshipped God, worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks. We give thee thanks, O Master, Yah Almighty, which art and was and art to come, because you have taken to thee thy great power and has reigned. And the Goy, or the nations, were angry. And, you know, this is... Re- this is how corrupt our society will be. When he comes back, people are not going to welcome him. That's how perverted our minds will be at this point. And the and the nations were angry, and the wrath has come, and the time of the dead, that's the time of the resurrection, because how can the dead have time? So obviously they're going to be resurrected. The time of the dead, that they should be judged, and that you should give reward also to thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints, and them that fear thy name, small and great, should and you should destroy them which destroy the earth and then one last scripture here first corinthians chapter 15 first corinthians chapter 15 starting in verse 50 now this i say brethren that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of yah neither does corruption inherit incorruption verse 51 behold i show you a mystery we shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump the last trump is the seventh trump of Shofar in the book of Revelation. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall all be changed. 
For this corruptible must put on corruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Verse 54, so when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal, which means we're not immortal yet, shall put on immortality, because if we had immortality, why do we have to put it on? Then shall he be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? And so, ultimately, that's what the feast of trumpets or Yom Teruah pictures. It pictures a time of war, but it also pictures the time of the resurrection, the first resurrection, which will lead to the second resurrection. So this is a joyous occasion. And I hope that those who understand this truth, I hope that you have a good year, Shana Tova in Hebrew. And we realize, of course, that the year for counting of months will begin in the spring of next year. So I hope this is the first of many consistent broadcasts in the future. Be praying that I can do that. And please be praying that Hasatan of the devil flees from me because he does not like me trying to preach and teach people the truth out of the scriptures. And I can speak also for the other Torah teachers that are speaking. Pray for them as well, because we certainly have it a lot harder than the average person, ladies and gentlemen. So, may Yah bless and keep you, and Yah willing, I'll be available to you next week. Shalom. Peace. Malachi chapter 4 For behold... The day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse.